Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Tota Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of Westminster Effects. Go buy guitar pedals at westminstereffects.com. You can join the discussion at the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. You can support the show at anchor.fm. Even a dollar a month is appreciated. And you can subscribe and comment on Facebook and Instagram. If you share the show on Facebook, you are entered to win a book every month. And we're coming up on that again, uh, I guess, next week. Um, I'm joined in person by... Hey everybody, it's Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. And as we record today, it is your birthday. Oh, tis so, man. tis so, tis so. And also as it records today, it is April 20th, known as 420. So how many how many weed jokes do you get per year on your birthday? I, what is that? I don't even know that. Rip. 4 420 is um the uh, the traditional time for high schoolers who like to smoke weed, they they. I was about to say shoot up. That's not right at all. <laughs> <laughs> they they blaze up. They smoke up at four twenty in the afternoon. So you get the high and you're off of it for the most part. By the we're time so your parents lame, get dude. home, like yeah. we're stumbling over like we're stumbling over four twenty. But exactly April how 20th, many pots did you smoke? but 420 is also like the day that all the potheads like to get super super high so but but you've never you've never gotten a 420 birthday joke i've never gotten a 420 birthday joke but i this morning i don't know if this but this morning he got super blazed yeah so (laughs) (laughs) this may explain something strange i saw this morning i had a early morning coffee with a guy at a local coffee shop called barista alley this morning. Yep. And I go up to the counter to order my pour over and they have these, this like, um, display of, I guess, breakfast muffins, pastries or whatever. Mm -hmm. And one of them was a hemp. Yep. Yep. Pastry. And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) that's interesting. (laughs) <laughs> and I didn't know the guy very well that I was meeting with, so I didn't order one. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't sure. <laughs> for the record, I, about it. For the record, I've never smoked weed in my life. No, I mean I I don't claim some level of holiness that others don't have because yeah. of that. But um, I I didn't know the guy very well, so I didn't order. But I was curious. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I wonder what that's about. Yeah, you were going to be super laid back for the for podcast <laughs> like, uh, recording. Uh, a pastor is is that. Is is that a, is that a hemp muffin? I don't know. Is it? You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of this time we were on a missions trip in Jamaica, and we were <clears throat> we were on a bus going somewhere, and we go through this little village in Jamaica, and you you can you can tell. I mean, there's there's Rastafarians everywhere. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and we we turn onto this street, and this Rasta jumps out in the middle of the road in front of our bus. I mean, we re- literally almost ran him over and he's got a plate full of brownies in his head. <laughs> and he goes, he, you can hear him inside the bus going, happy cakes, man, happy cakes. <laughs> and we just start dying laughing. It sounds like an episode of family guy. Like, I, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> we all start dying laughing. And I just, you know, I, again, I've never had any form of weed whatsoever, smoke mm-hmm. or otherwise. And I, I just said out loud, I said, I wonder if those, you know, marijuana brownies can really make you that high and there's a lady on the trip from our church who's probably in her early 50s and she goes oh yeah (laughs) just like that (laughs) it was hilarious that's great and pulls out his notebook and is like ethel private confession (laughs) 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 and as you've already heard his voice for those of you who don't know we are also joined via the internet by also a totally lame <laughs> member <laughs> member of the triumvirate this is john ross westminster's sort of artist 
Westminster effects artist Augsburgian and Christian. And uh, despite how it apparently may sound, totally not stoned from Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> he was playing the guitar when we logged on. I was. So, hey, hey, so we'll hey, back today. Hey, man, check, check, check out these words I wrote. But, but, any, <laughs> but, anyway, <laughs> but anyway, here's Wonderwall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I, don't know yes. if I, know, I don't even know if I know Wonderwall. I mean, I know the song. I, I don't think I've ever played Wonderwall. I, I also have not played Wonderwall. Have you played Wonderwall? No, but I, I when you when I hear Wonderwall, like again, I was at a Christian college, so we weren't smoking weed in the dorm. But yeah, I have these memories of that song just playing. Oh, of course, again. yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. My, uh, you know, that's the like, the stereotypical like open mic song. That's you know that's mm-hmm. why it gets that. I mean, I think that was the stereotypical open mic for like the the half a generation before ours, Bradley. I think mm-hmm. like if I were to pick one, it, at least for my own experience it's probably good riddance time of your life by green Mm -hmm. yep Mm -hmm. that one Mm -hmm. that one is yeah yeah oh yeah so i don't have a good transition so we'll just go into it i would not call good riddance time of your life by green day a blessing and that's what we're talking about today (laughs) so in the inquisition post two weeks in a row because we didn't get to it uh last week but we just decided hey let's make it the main topic hayden aiken asks how do we talk and think about god's blessings he's not he says he's not talking about the quote-unquote favor itself but rather the fruit so the actual not limited to but including material and financial blessings uh, we reform types are pretty weary of the subject to a fault. Some sects fo- focus on them to a fault instead of putting their fe- affection on the bestower of the blessing himself. Mm. So do we pray for blessings? Do we give our tithes, tithes and maybe more and then expect God to bless that with greater abundance? Do we ask God to bless us materially? Do we affirm to other believers that he will If we do so in faith, do we gain God's favor when we trust him with our finances or other sacrifices? What does scripture say? This is touchy because I think non-word of faith Christians are scared of talking about blessings from God because we want to avoid them being our focus. But that has caused me to feel constantly alarmed when talking about uh, to feel constantly alarmed about maybe talking about blessings, perhaps presumptuously. And so there's a lot of uh, a lot of you could say loaded questions uh, sure. in, in that one big question, but I think it's a legitimate thing to talk about, uh, particularly because uh, Westminster <laughs> Effects is my business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I got to pay bills, right? For sure. Um, and so, in terms of material blessing, well, I've asked God for sales. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, and and we trust that God provides everything uh, in some form or fashion. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, and particularly when s- sales are slow, it's like, hey, God, I don't know where this next sale is going to come from. I got bills to pay. Help mm-hmm. a guy out. Yeah. I mean, Ob- I, I obviously think, more reverent than that, but <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I think I think the the perspective that we need to come with this at is we need to realize that um, spiritual blessings and physical blessings, you know, material blessings, tangible blessings, um, you know, are don't exist in a vacuum from one another. You know, they're not mutually exclusive. Uh, you know, necessarily uh, that we need to focus on the giver, right? Not on the gift. Um, I think that that gives us a good perspective. You know, when we first outlined this question, the first thing that came to mind, and, and maybe this will set a good perspective for us, um, was, uh, pardon the stereotype here, but uh, Luther's explanation to the first article of the Apostles' Creed. I'm just going to I'm just gonna read it. I, I think I might know it from memory still. Um, but uh, take a listen. I believe that God created me and all creatures. God gave me body, soul, eyes, and ears, Oh, this is oh, this is a wrong translation. I don't have this one memorized. I'm going to fumble over this one. Uh, ears and other parts of my body, my mind and all my senses, and preserves them as well. God gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and land, spouse and children, fields, animals, and all I own. Every day, God abundantly provides everything I need to nourish this body and life. God protects me against all danger, shields and defends me from all evil. Uh and God does this all because of pure fatherly and divine goodness and mercy, not because I've earned it or deserved it. For all of this, I must thank and praise, serve, and obey him. 
Uh, this is most certainly true. This is some sort of transliteration. Mm. Block that website. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, point being, the, the, the point being is, I mean, we have to understand that that not just the spiritual blessings of new life in Christ, uh, you know, come from and, 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 and through God, but we also need to confess that all of what we have comes through, if comes through God, whether, whether directly through miracles as it's happened in the scriptural record or uh, through his providence and architecting and orchestrating all things around us, uh, you know, for his glory and to our benefit. Um, yeah. <clears throat> you know, one of the things that, um, sparks righteous indignation in me mm -hmm. is when heresies and um, in the church in particular, also in culture, secular culture, but in the church in particular, hijack our ability to think and talk and speak well about biblical ideas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, examples, healing or blessing. Mm -hmm. or spiritual gifts. Um, and in the Reformed community, one of the things that concerns me is there seems to be a, in certain parts, I wouldn't say this is necessarily true of the, the podcast lounge, um, but in certain parts of the Reformed community, there are what I would say um, hypercritical uh, dialogues and conversations that take place about biblical ideas that to me feel like we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Mm. And the reason, and, and I think, you know, some of that conversation is sparked by a right reaction to heresy and twisted truth. Um, but if we're going, if a train comes off the rails and crashes and there's a spectacular, wreck you don't just you know throw the train away and abandon the track you need to go back and find out where did it come off the rails yeah and so if we're to talk about blessing for example i think one of the things that um or, or the the place at which the word of faith and prosperity preachers come off the rails for me this is my opinion uh is their understanding of faith it's not necessarily their their understanding of blessing that's the root problem mm -hmm. or their understanding of healing that the Lord might want to physically heal someone or materially bless someone. It's it, being open to that being something the Lord wants to do. It's not their problem. <clears throat> their problem is their understanding of faith. They treat faith as though it's this belief currency that I muster up and use and work. This is the language they use. Yeah. I use and work my faith to get God to do these things that heaven is waiting on me to procure the blessings that Christ won and secured for me. And therefore, if I just exercise my faith, then I'm going to be able to take what's mine, you know, that I'll be able to realize all the benefits of the kingdom uh, at will as I exercise faith. And and that may or may not be a, a, a completely accurate description, but I think it's pretty close. It's to, how you know, it, it, it sounds, it sounds pretty close to, you know, to Roman Catholicism and the treasury of merit. No, that's uh, what I'm saying. There's nothing yeah. new under the sun. And, yeah. and you know, when we, what we have to understand is the Bible talks about faith as a gift. Uh, it's, it's a gift that works and it works not because I muster it up and use it, but it's, it works because God has given it to me and he's uh, by the spirit by the power of the Spirit and the Word, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Um, it is a means through which God's grace works in my life. And that mm -hmm. grace can be something that's realized in abundance. You know, Paul says in Philippians, I know what it's like to live in abundance, but I also know what it's like to live in lack. Yep. And in all these things, I've learned the secret of contentment. I do all things mm -hmm. through Christ. So it's not like Paul... Well, it was a totally foreign 
thing for him to be a blessed man. Mm-hmm. But it was also not a foreign thing for him to, to suffer and maybe not know where his next meal's coming from. Right. But he had learned through dependence on Christ to be content in all situations, which is a another level of blessing. Yep. Uh, and another level of spiritual maturity that's achieved through dependence on faith. Again, faith that is inaugurated by the work of God's grace in me, not my my belief quotient that I stir up and get him to do things for me. Yeah. Right. I, bless, I, blessings are, are, aren't a payment for faith. They're not compensation yeah. or a reward. Mm-hmm. They are the nature of God. Like that, that is what he seeks to do. It's mm-hmm. not like oh, John had extra faith for this month or he really believed for that new car. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to him. Gosh darn it! Um, and and really, you know, we we see that one of my, I mean, favorite favorite to say, <laughs> but probably you know least favorite to have to say, is you know God isn't a vending machine, right? It's not it, it, it's mm-hmm. not an investment opportunity, um, and and we see this come up. With uh, with offerings and, and tithing a lot, especially if they're trying to, uh, uh, you know, build a building or or, or something along those lines, uh, we often see uh, the the Malachi passage uh, brought mm-hmm. into that. You know, bring mm-hmm. bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and and see that I don't multiply it. Uh, but God's God's not talking about a return on investment there. You know, he's, yeah. Oh he's, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's talking about, uh, he, you know, his faithfulness and, and requesting and requiring faithfulness from his people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I got, <laughs> people are kind of shocked at something that I said in our, our deacons meeting the other day mm-hmm. where, where, you know, I said, you know, our, our church is in a good spot mm-hmm. financially. Um, and I was like, yeah, it's like God honors faithfulness or something. And, mm-hmm. and, and he does, but to hear like one of the most anti-prosperity guys here say mm-hmm. something along those lines can sound kind of shocking, but it's not what Bradley described to lead off the episode, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's not, well, we weren't naming and claiming, we weren't, we weren't stirring up faith in order to get these things. It's, it's we just wanted to steward this church well. And God was like, all right, you've been faithful with that. I'll give you a little bit more to be faithful with. We'll see how you do there, right? Mm. Yeah, and I mean, I think the key word that you just said was steward stewardship you know um we do think of ourselves as we should think of ourselves as uh new testament christians as stewards of god's good gifts yeah and all gifts are good Mm -hmm. you know it you know the apostle paul wrote in second corinthians 9 and he's talking about giving you know i mean I, i i i would say to the reformed community we cannot ignore this passage from Paul where he says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Bountifully, Everyone must give, and he is talking about financial. He is taking up an offering for the suffering Christians in Jerusalem. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, this, listen to this, God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency, you know, having enough, right? Mm-hmm. We're not talking about building bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger barns to hoard stuff up. We're talking about having enough. Yeah. God's able to make all grace abound to you so that having all efficiency. Sufficiency for what? This is the question. Sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So... This is the same Apostle Paul who will say in Ephesians that we're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which the Lord prepared in advance for us to walk in. So I'm not called or created for every conceivable good work. I'm called and created for the good works God has prepared for me to do. Res Church exists 
to do the good works that God has set forth for us to do. And what here's what we know. He's going to, in and through, you know, the faith he gives us to be faithful in what he's asked us to do, he's going to give us all that we need for those good works. So mm-hmm. when Res Church is having a meeting of our trustees and we're looking at what we, relative to recent years, is an abundance of financial resources. Mm-hmm. We're, we're asking the question as a church, and we did this on Sunday. I mean, we had some things we're wrestling with, some good works that we're looking at, and we're going, what would the Lord have us do? He's given us this, so what would the Lord have us do? And we made some decisions uh, about generosity right. as a church on a couple of different levels. And we, I, I can't go into details, but we made some, we made some decisions about being generous in, in really two specific areas uh, and also looking at some stuff down the road with facilities mm-hmm. that in, in our mind, I feel like our conversation centered around what are the good works God's called us to do and how do we steward these resources re- related to those good works? And I think that's, that's a great way to think about blessing. Um, but yet in, in that meeting, I can think about a host of other meetings where we're going all right, how we're gonna? How are we gonna do this? Because it doesn't seem like we have enough, and those are the times where the Lord is being just as kind to us and leading us into greater dependence as He is when we have more than enough and we're making decisions from that standpoint. Yeah, one one thing that I've that's kind of jumped out at me recently is First Timothy six. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. So not not prideful, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Mm. Right? So you are commanded, you are absolutely commanded by God to enjoy your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're commanded to enjoy your house, to enjoy uh since this is a partially a gear podcast to enjoy your pedal board and, yeah. and your amps and your guitars and whatever, you're not setting your hopes on that. Right. But if God has provided it to you, you are commanded to enjoy it. Yep. And then he goes on there to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of what, uh, of that, which is truly life. Totally. Truly life being God himself. Yep. Right. So God gives you the stuff. And as, as John was quoting uh, Luther earlier, that's literally everything you have. Yeah. God says to enjoy it. So good. And, 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 and that keeps us balanced. It does. And you, you know, the balance is there for us in the new Testament. If we'll just see it, because you take a passage like that and you hold it up right alongside James, who writes to the suffering, persecuted Christians scattered out of Jerusalem, and he says, "Don't in, in your poverty and affliction, don't snuggle up to the rich man who walks into your church service and marginalize the poor man. Why? Because yeah. your hope's not in that. Yep. Right? Like So yep. you, you hold those two p- passages like that together, not in tension, but knowing that if I'm in a place where I feel lack and I'm asking God for provision, I don't have to take matters into my own hands and snuggle up to people that I perceive to have resources and marginalize those that don't. I can trust that the faith he's given me, and this is the theme of James, the faith that he's given me in him is a faith that's going to work in my suffering and in my lack. It's going to be enough. God's faith, God is faithful. And at the same time, if God has blessed me with more than enough, uh, at, at least part of the stewardship is to enjoy that for the glory of God yep. and be led by him and how I can uh, walk in the good works he's prepared for me. Yep. John's nodding. Yeah. This is John. This is an audio format. Oh, I don't, I don't know if you were aware of that. <laughs> uh, no, I 100% agree. Um, and you know something oddly uh, that popped into my head, and I don't know what brought it brought it up, uh, but it was something around the topic of of blessings and believing for something, and 
immediately I, I thought of all the all the healings that Jesus did. And we we see him commend the individuals for their faith. And uh, and, and in some some cases says, you know, as you have believed it, you know, may it be so. Uh, and be uh uh you know, now you can see, now you can walk, you know, so on and so forth. I, I wish we knew more about the faith of these individuals because I fear that some of these passages are where we get a lot of the word of faith proof texts where, yep. where we have uh, someone who's, you know, a, a misreading or, or even just uh, uh, reading without the context of the whole of scripture behind it. It's like, oh, see, this individual was praying for, was, was believing for sight. Jesus commended their believing for sight and gave them sight. We can do the same thing. And you know, I, I wish it were more clear just so those who would twist the gospel record wouldn't have that ammunition to do so. <clears throat> I have a thought about this. Do tell. Um, cause I agree with you, John Bradley's got a pretty big grin going on right now. So mm -hmm. this might get a little spicy. <laughs> well, I don't know that how <laughs> spicy it is, but John, you raised such a good point is that these times in the gospels where Jesus looks at someone and says, your faith has made you well. Yeah. And how that gets leveraged to promote doctrine that we know does not square with the whole of the new Testament. And mm -hmm. yet we have these statements from Jesus and, and how do we, how do we think rightly about that? Um, this is this is a thought, and I, I wouldn't say it's fully fleshed out, but you guys can feedback on it. You know, Jesus would say at the end of his ministry, um, "I only see what I do my," or he says in the middle of it, "I only see what I see my I do what I see my Father doing." Mm -hmm. He comes to the end of his ministry and says, "I thank you, Father, that I've done all the works you gave me to do." Um, and you take that and you think about instances like when he. Um, casts out a demon in the synagogue in Capernaum and then heals Peter's mother-in-law of fever. And the whole town comes out and he lays hands on people. You know, both Luke and Mark give us the sense that it was almost all night long. He's mm -hmm. healing tons of people, casting out demons, healing disease all night long. He wakes up the next morning, he prays, and there are more people coming, more sick and I guess more demonic you know, people experiencing demonic oppression. Mm -hmm. And he, and he says, no, yeah, <laughs> I've got to go preach good news yeah. in other towns. So it's apparently not always God's will to heal, to heal everybody. Yeah. It, it, in that sense. And then, you know, you think about um, the healing at the pool where there were lots of lame people, sick people waiting for the waters to stir to get in. And then there's this one lame guy who can't get in there. He's got nobody to help him. And Jesus heals that guy, nobody else. Mm -hmm. So what does that say? It says that even when Jesus looks at someone and says, your faith has made you well, that I don't think he's saying they, because of their belief and their belief alone, they have somehow leveraged the son of God to do something for them. No, the faith that Jesus praises and celebrates ultimately speaking has to be the work of god and an and an evidence of jesus seeing something his father is up to yeah and does because he says i only do what i see my father doing so if he praises the faith of an individual then we must conclude shouldn't we that jesus in seeing that faith Praising that faith is ultimately speaking, giving praise to God because he sees a work of God, not a work of an individual to stir up belief or uh, manufacture confidence that Jesus can do something. You see yeah. where I'm going with that? Yeah. Like, I think that that's, again, I go back to where did the train come off the rails with word of faith, prosperity teachers? I think it's a, it came off the rails with a wrong understanding of faith. Yep. I can get on board with that, mm. provided it doesn't go off the rails. Yeah. So, <laughs> and again, 
James, all aboard, but not off the rails. Uh, uh, you know, you've kind of poked a bear with me this morning. Um, the, the, <laughs> it, was on, it was that weed brownie you ate. At it was, the, it at was the, the hemp. Shop. It was the hemp brownie. So James chapter five, James talks about the prayer of faith. And here's what he says. The prayer of faith will make the sick person well. Now, do with that what you will. You can nuance it, leverage it, try to give me some Greek analysis that that's, you know, not talking about physical healing, but I'm going to disagree with you mm -hmm. because I think he's talking about physical healing. The context of James leads us there. And so, all right, James, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. The prayer of faith will make the sick person well, call the elders, lay hands on them, anoint them with oil. What are we going to do with that? Well, mm -hmm. James gives us a, an example. He says, Elijah is a man just like us. And he prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed that it would rain, and then it did rain. So the example of the prayer of faith from James to persecuted, scattered Christians. He's not writing to apostles. He's writing to Christians that have been run out of Jerusalem and are suffering and he's talking to them about the prayer of faith. So our example, James, is a guy who prayed and affected the weather. And yes, it's Elijah. My goodness. You know, he's the Elvis of the, new, of the Old Testament. But he was, he was just a dude. A man just like us. So what happened for Elijah? You go back and read that in Second Kings. God tells him after three and a half years of rain, of no rain, pray for rain. Mm-hmm. When he stares down the prophets of Baal after the altar is soaked with water, when Elijah prays, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says, let these people know that you are God and that I have done all these things at your word. Elijah is not willy-nilly soaking altars and praying to affect the weather. He's <laughs> being told by the God of heaven and earth, ask me for this. Mm -hmm. ask me for this. And so the, the famous event where he sends his servant off after praying seven times and no, nope, there's no sign of rain. Nope. There's no sign of rain. Then he comes back. I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. All right, go warn the King. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Mm -hmm. So the example of J from James of the prayer of faith is not exercising, working our faith to get God to do something. It's listening and praying according to what we hear. It's being led by God in what he's doing. And then be, we talk about this all the time in the reform mm -hmm. circles, that prayer is a means through which Mm -hmm. God works. He's sovereign. He's determined the end from the beginning. And he is in his determination. He's made human vessels in prayer and proclamation to be the vessels through which he does his work. And even like Romans 8, we don't even know how to pray in the first place as unless, we ought, unless we're led by God. The Spirit helps mm -hmm. us in our weakness. So I have room, and this may not be true for everybody on the three of us necessarily, or everybody listening to the podcast, but I have room in my theology. And I know this gets squirrely because as soon as I say this, everybody's going to start thinking about Bethel and all these, you know, churches and ministries and pastors that have come off the rails. But I have room in my theology for the Lord to prompt me to pray for something that's totally out of my capacity, whether that be physical healing or financial provision or even for someone, a, a, a rank sinner who seems to have the hardest heart I've ever seen in my life to come to faith. I have, I have room for the Lord to say, Bradley, pray and ask me for this because this is what I'm going to do. And be led in prayer in that way. And I think that in the Reformed circles, we would do well. I consider myself to be a part of the Reformed community. I think we would do well to open our minds to what the New Testament teaches about faith and blessing and participating with Jesus in his kingdom agenda, which has to include, has to include the supernatural coming uh, of the kingdom, the will of God being done on earth as it is in heaven beyond our natural abilities. Boy, howdy. <laughs> 
<laughs> don't poke the bear. Don't, don't, we, don't poke, <laughs> we have poked the bear, and he, he dropped the hammer on us. Uh, goodness, let's go to the Inquisition. <laughs> let's do it. And this is the Inquisition, where you, the listener, get to contribute to the show by uh, asking us questions. And as always, we answer them on the fly, which is pretty much how this podcast happens anyway. Uh, as is tradition, we start with Brian Morris, and he, he leads off with talking about Christian gear, like worship gear groups. But he, this isn't exclusive to that kind of thing. He says, is the toxicity of Christian gear groups, Christian Twitter, and other social media venues indicative of a larger problem within the church. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I don't have anything profound on it, but I think, it, I think it's fairly cut and dry. I mean, within these, within these groups, within uh, any group, any group, uh, on on Twitter or any sort of social media platform that has uh, a, like a, a public comment section, a recipe blog for all I care. Um, there is certainly amount of anonymity uh, there, uh, but there's also a distinct lack of having uh, another, uh, having a brother or or a sister to keep you in check. Right. Mm -hmm. There's, there's no social media in general, I think prompts and even provokes knee jerk reactions mm -hmm. uh, yep. to, to anything. I mean, even what we see is, is so transient, right? You, you, how many times have we, have we looked for something? We, we, we saw something, we scrolled past it, even if it's an advertisement of all things, and we can't find it again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know? And, and, and it's gone, lost in the ether for forever. That sort of, of consumption methodology, I think, guides us to be just as spontaneous and just as quick to speak uh, as these posts, so to speak, seem uh, quick to pop up. And it can be very easy to lose one's temper by, by reading something mm -hmm. uh, and immediately shoot back with whatever's on, on the top of your on the top of your head. I, I, th I can think of so many times when you know I've seen a post here or there and I've started writing a big old diatribe, and then, like, I, I catch myself. But there's, but mm. the thing is, is that you get to write your whole thing before you press enter. There's, there's not a buddy on your side that's like, "Hey, John, hey, John, you should probably stop your digging a hole." Hey, John, John, yeah, John. Yeah, there's yeah. nobody looking as you write this stuff. So that toxicity is, I mean, connecting it back to the the whole of the church. I think there, I know that there is a trend in Christianity that makes everything very personalized and disregards the benefit of the church, of that mm -hmm. body of believers, mm -hmm. spurring each other on, building each other up, um, keeping each other in, in check. If, if this whole church thing is just, is just you and God, you have nobody else around you. You have, <laughs> you've pushed them away. You've pushed those that God has put in your life to keep you balanced. You've pushed them away. Yep. And, chicken or egg, I don't really know. And it doesn't really matter. What matters is that we're seeing the same sort of behavior in, in both places. Uh, we as Christians are, I mean, we're part of the body. We are meant to exist together, to believe together, to live together, confess together. And so often, whether it be on, on, on social media or whether it just be in your local church, that once the end of the Sunday service rolls around, see you next Sunday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the lost the strength of the Christian community that is there to keep us healthy. The, the problem ultimately is not the platform. The problem is us and, and the fact that uh, 
it's it's just like a crisis or coming into leadership or anything like that. Those things just reveal what what was already underneath the surface. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so having a voice of any sort, like that's it's one of the great things about social media is it is it does give everyone a voice. But that's also one of the downfalls is it gives everyone a voice. Mm. And so I think of even just on a non-spiritual matter, the uh, the Houston Astros cheating scandal was broken on Twitter by a nobody mm. who it's, it's John Boy Media. And now he has one of the biggest baseball podcasts in the world, partially because he was the guy who broke the, mm-hmm. the scandal where he was going back on uh, MLB TV's coverage and he would highlight the audio of the Astros banging on a trash can. And, and so that part is great. And then you have uh, guys who, and and I've been, we've all been there uh, where it's so easy to just flame somebody. Mm -hmm. And so I think part of it is we have to stop being scared of the platform and the technology in general, and just learn how to it's, it's not going anywhere. So your, your options are you can either ignore it or you can use it to the glory of God. And obviously, there's a balance to be had there. Yeah. That that's not to say to dive in and make sure you live your entire life on on Facebook. One of my one of the things I live by is the quickest way to clinical depression is we, reading YouTube comments. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't read. I don't even read my own YouTube comments that I get on my channel. Like mm-hmm. I don't touch them mm-hmm. uh, because I know it's it's not going to do anything for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It's learn how to use the platform. This has only been around like 15 years. Yeah, that's so true. It's only been around for a Mm -hmm. decade and a half. Mm. So, of course, we don't know how to use it properly, Mm. right? This is super new in human history. Think of how many times that, you know, we've been walking down, walking downtown and hear somebody just rambling about something and we just completely ignore them and walk past and we never think about that again. Or we, or we're we're in a in a store or local music shop or or something, and they have the bulletin board, and there's something just stupid on the bulletin board. I'm like, yeah. oh, you're an idiot, and we walk past, and we never think about it again. You know, that's the sort of of attitude we need to have <laughs> with with social media. Is we is it is so transient? We need to treat it as such, right? And and as part of that, we need to make sure that. When we make posts, whether it be in in refutation to another idea or or publishing an idea um, from from ourselves, that we root it in things that are decidedly not transient, meaning scripture mm-hmm. and the way that God has revealed Himself through Scripture and history. I think you know, um, guys like you, Cody. Uh, I mean, this is a little bit of poking your bear, uh, a little bit, and and I think. You know, we need we need people who, yes, we've only got a decade and a half of, uh, you know, data and effect from this. And guys like you need to really work to be examples mm. of how to properly mm. steward this because it is a platform and it is something that can be used <clears throat> for the glory of God. But it's just so hard. I mean, I, yeah. I saw where um, a young lady that she used to go to res and they moved away. She posted something about you know her screen time, mm, and it was yeah. like twelve hours a day. Oh my goodness, ten That's, to twelve hours a day. I don't even know how that happens. I'm not she, even mad. I'm impressed. And and, <laughs> and she's saying, "I've got this has got to stop. I'm addicted." Yeah. And I know we're not talking about being addicted to social media and phones per se, as much as we're talking about stewarding the platform. But I think that. That's part of the balance that you're talking about, it's right? Not just being consumed by something. Because if we're consumed by it, we're not going to steward it well. Mm. Oh yeah, you know, that's true. We got we got to get that right. Maybe that's a that's the point at which the train comes off the rails mm-hmm. uh, to begin with. But I I I think you both have said it very well. Uh, you've talked about the dangers, and it's just a matter of stewardship. I recently heard I think it was Wilson quoting Chesterton, who said uh, anything worth doing is worth doing wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're gonna get it wrong sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, that's uh, that that's honestly, uh, you know, almost a uh, uh, an alliteration of my of my motto when I uh, when I work on uh, when I work on cars. You know, doing the right thing the wrong way. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question from Kyle Jackson: What makes a person more reformed? The size of the beard, the type of cigar, 
or how local the IPA? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I, I think Kyle just has like Spurgeon in his head. It's like yeah. that, oh that. I just want them to say Charles Spurgeon. Like I just want them yeah. to say him. Um, just Spurgeon and I, move on. You know, I think there may be something to this because I I keep a short beard. I keep a short beard. Um, I used to smoke. I used to smoke everything that was at least available at a gas station. Um, but <laughs> um, I kind of left cigars, went pipe for a little bit. I mean, I, and, and whatnot, uh, but I don't really do that anymore. And I like malty beer. I don't like hoppy beer. So, I mean, I guess that makes me a Lutheran. I guess, that's, <laughs> I guess that's just maybe, what it makes me. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I'm Lutheran at heart then because I like darker beers. I like, I'm not an IP. I'll drink an IPA. But I like the darker beers. Huh. Maybe I'm really Lutheran underneath. What's the famous quote about from Lutheran about beer? It's on the it's on the inside of. Yeah, I actually have this on my circuit board for the new Luther. Yeah, Yeah, it's uh, another bear here. He who uh, he who sleeps long. No, he who drinks beer sleeps long. He who sleeps does not sin. So let us drink beer or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Lines up perfect. Lines up perfect. I've got a new castle in the fridge ready for you, Code. <laughs> All right. Last one from Austin Dobbs. And this is a little bit heavier. We'll talk about some Christian Liberty stuff. Uh, our church wants to resume our indoor weekly community groups. We call them life groups here at Res. You might call them small groups, whatever. And uh, so it's families gathering in each other's homes with the intention of sharing a meal, praying with and for each other. And he drops my absolute favorite phrase of doing life together, if you will. <laughs> That's code for drinking. <laughs> being Luther, so yeah, that's, code, there we go. that's code for being Lutheran. Yeah, Austin Dobbs, welcome to the family, man. Give me your babies. Uh, I'll get them. He wet. says he says we have a member in my group who is significantly immunocompromised uh, and has several, or maybe this member doesn't have several newborns, but there are several newborns in the group. Uh, and there are also two adults who hold to the conviction of refusing any COVID vaccination now or in the future. He's like, so how do we navigate the conversations of how to bring these people together for a weekly? Well, it's going to be unmasked because you got to eat meal. Yeah. Mm. Well, so you got yourself a doozy there, Austin. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, here's where I go for both both sides so you got the immunocompromised mm-hmm. and you and that's a legitimate concern yeah and then you have the people who have i think legitimate concerns about the vaccination i'm very pro vaccination and and the more i read about the more i'm good with it i've had the first dose mm-hmm. so cards on the table i think i've had johnson and johnson i have no blood clots <laughs> just for the record for everybody yeah, yeah. Uh, but my I leg's think- been really hurting i don't know what's going uh, okay. <laughs> i'm kidding i'm fine i'm fine I promise uh so one in a million so you're saying there's a chance there's a uh, chance i knew it i knew it's coming um both and and there's christian liberty to be had on both sides mm-hmm. right uh especially provided they're going to church. That's what we're commanded to do, Mm -hmm. right? You're not commanded to go to a small group. Yeah. Both sides are need to be reminded that we're not to have a spirit of fear, Mm -hmm. whether it's of a vaccine or a virus. And so I would, I would rather personally kick the bucket because I got COVID because I went to church than blow a year of going to church. Mm. Mm. that's kind of where I, I've come down on is we're commanded to not fear. Sure. And so whatever decision you come to can't be rooted in that. Yeah, that's all yeah, I exactly. And, and, and to clarify where I know your heart is on this, you're not saying be stupid. And when it comes right. time to pass the piece, spit don't in your li- hand. Eventually. Don't, <laughs> yeah. don't lick doorknobs. Don't yeah. start. Don't start a spoon train at Walmart. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know what that, I don't, I don't even I don't know. <laughs> Although training. arguably, I'm not sure how that could be worse than just being at Walmart. But I mean, you're not you're not wrong. <laughs> Why do Walmart's all smell the same? <laughs> smell the same. Also, all those crummy neighborhood grocery stores—they all smell the same. Hmm. Think about that. Hmm. Um, 
Yeah, that, I mean, the fear part is is definitely part of it, but I think communication is going to be key and talking to these individuals one-on-one and asking how you, I mean, and put it in their court, ask how you can care for them in this context. Mm-hmm. But don't say, hey, you know, Jim is, you know, Jim has lupus and can't have and can't get the vaccine. And since since you're not going to get the vaccine, I need you to figure out what you No, no, no. They say, hey, we're getting back together. We want to get back together. Um, you know, as you know, our group is made up of people who have all sorts of different viewpoints. I want to hear what your viewpoints are and how I can care for you as we look to get back, get our, our life group, whatever, back together. And do the same for the individual um, who, uh, who has the, uh, um, the immune system disorder and, and say, hey, you know, I, I, uh, you know we're, we're both aware that, uh, that, we have a, that we've been blessed by a unique group with very different viewpoints on COVID, on vaccination, on health and precaution. I want to know how to make you comfortable and how and how you would uh, like uh, to be uh, uh, to be cared for in the midst of this, and how uh, you know we can talk safety and uh, and and health in in the midst of coming back together, and open it up as a conversation um, in a way that doesn't act like you're punning it and making it someone else's problem. Um, I don't even know if this is your problem, Austin, but it sounds like you have the heart to make it your problem. And that's okay. <laughs> that's <a little> um, <laughs> because I, I don't think any of us can can just say, um, oh yeah, here here's what you do. You know, you you wrap the the immunized compromised per, compromised person in in saran wrap, and then you have the two anti-vaxxers drinking vodka all night so that their their saliva is sterile. Like you know, like we don't have an, <laughs> we don't have an answer for this. Um, but rather than rather than assuming someone's viewpoint based upon what they've said in passing or on social media or, or whatever, um, or assuming how somebody with special needs would like to be cared for. Um, I, I think this is a circumstance where it, it would not only be the most pragmatic to ask them, but I think it's going to show them, the other individuals, it's going to show them that you're invested in them, that you're invested in their care, their viewpoints, and how they want to live their life. And, uh, and, and I, I think there's, there's a net benefit there. Maybe the answer is going to be, uh, you know, we're, I, I guess we're not going to go in person for a while yet. But is part of that you've still spoken care to these individuals by your line of questioning. There's also the option. There's also the option before I throw it to you, Bradley, for final thoughts on this is there's also the option of going in person, but FaceTiming someone in (laughs) if if they're unable to be there. There is that too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bradley, as a, as a paid pastor, How would you? How would you think you'd go about this? Well, to be I, fair, not paid by us. I mean, yeah, like, right, right. <laughs> so like, yeah, <laughs> we 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 get the seconds here. I think this is coming to a head um, because mm-hmm. you know, with the availability of vaccines um, and maybe some level of herd herd immunity that's yep, you know, um, coming about. I think the church is going to have to make some decisions. You know, there obviously there are churches that have just already gone full on with everything and depending on where that church might be and and they're not taking any precautions whatsoever and it's just you know whosoever will come and participate uh but for the churches like res who still have some level of precaution or even you know lots of precautions still in place decisions are going to have to be made uh about what at what point are we going to be fully operational and how is that going to affect people that are within our worshiping community that we need to care for and i think that you're right john to say that a lot of conversation is going to have to happen and i think at a base level we need to remember that all of this stuff about covid mass no mass vaccine no vaccine um meet in person in this kind of setting still maintain six feet do not maintain six feet all of that's a matter of conviction uh, at this point, right? In, in the same way that someone uh, might choose to smoke cigarettes uh, and put their health at risk versus someone who chooses not to smoke cigarettes and put their health at risk in that way. Mm. It's a matter of conviction. And people should always matter more than our convictions, I think. 
the people that we are to mm-hmm. use your favorite phrase doing life together with uh, <clears throat> whatever that means i think i think those people should matter to us more than our convictions that doesn't necessarily mean we have to compromise on everything mm-hmm. there there at some point somebody's going to have to say it seems good to me in the holy spirit that we're going to do this and so as james did but um we somebody's going to have to make those decisions you know in this case at res i will in some in some you know situations but you know there's no reason to me why a group of believers in a small group could not have the kind of conversation that john's talking about where how can i care for you how can we how can we care for each other and still do what the bible commands us to do um and put those people ahead of you know if i take the approach that i'm just not going to hang out with christians who wear masks mm-hmm. that's dumb yeah at the same time it would be dumb for those who do wear masks to say i'm just going to you know eliminate everybody from my circle who refuses to wear a mask you know i think that yep. there's got to be ways in you know with technology and other things to for us to still do what the bible's commanded us to do but just don't don't put your conviction. Your convictions matter, but they need to matter a little bit less than the people that God has connected you with. Mm. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I I draw back to this with with lots of things. I, I I think when we were talking about masks in general, probably about a year ago, I brought up uh, meat sacrifice to idols. It's okay, but if it's going to cause a brother to stumble, protect their conscience. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think it's important to be mindful and and to really consider that even if you think that your that your opinions, whoever you are in 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 this uh, in 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 this discourse, um, whatever. If you consider your opinions, oh, they're not divisive. People can believe whatever they want. People can think whatever they want. If you're not willing to have a discussion, an open discussion with another person, um, even if you end up disagreeing at the end, if you're not willing to discuss it, chances are you're being divisive. Let, let me throw. Let, let me just say this. I, I was debating whether or not to say this or not, but and I, say I'm it, not Bradley. trying. I dare. I'm you. not. I'm not trying to leverage or bind anyone's conscience. Is this is this the by, Bradley mic drop episode? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not trying to bind anyone's conscience to what I did, what I'm doing. Um, I get my second shot uh, this coming Monday. Today's Tuesday. Um, I like you, Cody, have read about vaccines. I've talked about. I've talked to medical professionals mm-hmm. about vaccines. Um, I'm not going to sit here and try to make a case for taking a vaccine. Um, I weighed it and I came to the conclusion that there's risk on both sides. Yep. There's risk to not getting vaccinated because you know, right when you walked in the door, I'm on the phone with the guy that I consider to be my pastor. Mm-hmm. He's been on this podcast, Brian mm-hmm. Alkin, and he's in his second overnight stay in the hospital with COVID right now. Mm-hmm. And he's battling to breathe. All right. So there's risks on both sides, vaccine, no vaccine. So having weighed those risks, what pushed me over the edge to get it? This is the, this is not the only reason I'm getting vaccinated, but it is what pushed me over the edge. There are people in my life, very, very, very close friends that really, really matter to me, Mm -hmm. matter to me in ways that it would take another podcast for me to explain fully that are going to be way, way, way more comfortable being with me and my wife. If I'm vaccinated than if I'm not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you might say, well, Bradley, that's a ri-. Yes, it's a risk, but those people matter to me enough that the, I was willing to take that risk over the risk of not getting vaccinated. And that I say that to just say, I think people, that the Lord has connected us with and has called us to journey with. Maybe that's a more palatable for Cody than <laughs> do life together. Uh, people that the Lord has called me to journey with, my wife and I to journey with, matter. They, my convictions 
whatever those might be related to COVID or anything else, matter a little bit less than those relationships matter to me. Mm -hmm. Those relationships matter more. And so therefore, at times, I make decisions that prefer those people over what might be my personal convictions mm -hmm. on certain things um, or preferences, I should even say, might even be a better word uh, with some of this preferences over certain things. Um, I'm not going to compromise on anything that uh, offends my conscience, mm -hmm. but when it comes to weighing risk, I'm like you. I'd rather mm -hmm. die worshiping at church with my worshiping community than I would die at home. Mm -hmm. or be isolated from the church. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. that's, it's, it's, it, there is a level of risk management here that I think for the, for the believers, we should prefer people over those convictions and preferences. Yeah, real quickly, uh, I've, I, it's not one-to-one, -one, but I've really appreciated Mike Rowe's safety third. Mm. <laughs> you know, sa yeah. Safety yeah. is not the priority, and survival is not the highest virtue. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's especially with a secularized Western world where basically people are just sacks of meat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the only thing that matters is keeping the meat sacks metabolizing. Mm. Um, where we understand it's a lot more than that. Right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Well, you'll hear us next week. We won't see anybody. Goodbye. <laughs>